What's going on, guys? Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, episode 35, with Perry Aston, joined by Christian McGowan. What's going on, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing well here. How are you doing over here to our special guest, Brady Klopfer? He is a writer at SB Nation, covering the Warriors, contributor for the LA Sparks at The Athletic. How are you doing today, Brady? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Of course, such an exciting podcast for us with the NBA back now. We've been waiting so long. And with us in LA here, LeBron James is back, and we're so excited. I know Christian here. He's been so excited with me since he came, and I know hearing that Brady covers the Warriors out of Hollywood made me even more excited to know that he's part of the LeBron hype, like it or not. So we'll start off with, I want to know how it feels in LA right now. Do you feel the LeBron presence, and if a championship is in the near future here? It's impossible not to feel the presence at some level. There's there's a buzz. There's an excitement. I was driving down Melrose the other day and went past the LeBron mural that thankfully wasn't vandalized and painted over when I drove by it. It's impossible to not feel that. No, I totally agree. For the success they'll have, so much depends, I think, on the free agents that they bring in. Him being under contract for a while is going to increase their chances of a player like a Durant or Jimmy Butler wanting to sign there with him. Right, it's that four-year deal that he signed. It shows the commitment that he has to the Lakers and that at this point in his career, especially with the big move that he made to Miami and then the even more dramatic move to come back home. And now such a dramatic move to come to L.A., I don't see another one in the future for him. And that's not just because I'm here in L.A. rooting for the Lakers. Like we were saying previously, Brady, I know you said you're loyal to the NBA. You're also obviously a Warriors fan, and your heart is with the Lakers too, but it's the NBA that you're most loyal for. And it's the same here for us. But for the Lakers now, there's no way that LeBron leaves because they're going to completely put this around him. Four years instead of his infamous one plus one. It's going to be an impressive run and it might not happen right away. But I think with the commitment that he's putting down, it's definitely in the near future. We have lots of Warriors questions for Brady today. Before we jump right in, we want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. You can follow Brady on Twitter at Brady Klopfer NBA. So let's just jump right into some questions about the Warriors. We're going to start with how did you get into Warriors coverage and how long has it been? It's been a little over a year. I started covering the team during last offseason, kind of towards the tail end of the offseason at the start of September was when I when I started covering the Warriors in particular. I've been writing about the NBA for a few months at that point. The Warriors are the team where my heart is, the team that I think more importantly know the best and, and understand the most position opened up at SB Nation that I was grateful enough to land. So I've been doing that for, for a little over a year, and it's been a fun ride. Got a, got a championship in that first year, hopefully awesome. a, a second one this year. I know our buddy Max, he was part of one of the Warriors' championship runs. He was doing analytics for them. So we were talking to him about that, and it was just so exciting for him to be part of that there in Golden State. So I know you probably have that same feeling, you know, in some regard. And the next question I want to ask you, just the honest thoughts on Boogie Cousins joining Golden State and how that really impacts the team, how that really impacts the league for that matter. Well, I think the way it most impacts the league is just by angering people, which is just kind of funny. It's not fair in a lot of people's eyes to where they keep adding on top of what I would think personally is the best team ever put together. And of course, it's a different NBA and you're going to go towards eras and different types of play, different coaches, different players and the way that they were built, the different kind of athletes. 
But I still think when you look at this roster and compare it to others, in my opinion, it's the best. That's before you add Boogie Cousins. And then you add Boogie Cousins now, even at 50%. He's better than a JaVale McGee, a Zaza Petulia. And it's not that they aren't capable players, but you're adding a guy who just made the All-Star game this last year. Yeah, he didn't play in it, but he made it. And he's got the talent to be a top... 10 top 15 top 20 player in the nba when he's 100 percent healthy even if he's 75 percent, he's still going to be more productive productive than who they've filled at that exactly. five slot for the past Absolutely. couple of years and with the warriors they can be so creative with the types of lineups that they go with to where they don't have to have cousins have that much pressure on him they don't have to run him the way that they other teams that had cousins had to now he can kind of be a little bit more of a perimeter guy if he needs to. doesn't have to bang as much down low while he's recovering. He can come in in certain sets, play certain minutes, and even if he doesn't play some games, he could take a week or two off, and you know they're not going to have a losing record over that couple-week span. They're going to keep it up. So it's the best, I think, position for Boogie Cousins to recover because there's no pressure on him. He signed a one-year deal. Yeah, he's banking on himself, obviously, but in my opinion, he's probably going to stay here for probably a year past this as well, being part of something that's bigger than yourself and winning championships because that's so highly regarded now in today's NBA. And for us, it's our fault because... You know, you really criticize guys like Charles Barkley or any of these guys that had awesome careers but just never won a championship and they're never going to live it down. And it almost taints their career a bit when you see guys who don't have the accolades, don't have the same statistics, aren't the same players but have two championships in their back pocket. You look at them a little bit differently. It's just kind of how it is. And I know it sucks, but, you know, a guy like Vince Carter, who is going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt, but he's never won a championship. And you put him up next to somebody else like Amani Ginobili, who has all these championships, who I don't think is near the same player as Vince Carter. I think Manu Ginobili's Hall of Fame case is better than Vince Carter's. And I would think that's going to be widely agreed on, too, which is unfortunate but true one more question working off this one how soon do you think boogie cousins is going to be playing and how soon do you think he's going to be playing at full health what you've been hearing around nba buzz covering the warriors it's hard to say i still think it's going to be probably about mid-december before he returns all the intel from the team is that he's pretty well ahead of schedule He's already partaking in pre-practice drills, a lot of individual drills and workouts. I believe someone reported that he was dunking the other day, I believe. So I think he's... No way. I think he's ahead of schedule a I mean, bit. he's so tall, but, it's like jumping half Yeah, he's so tall, he can yeah. Yeah, you know, tip saying much. there. You know, like you mentioned, this is just a no-risk situation for him. It's such a good situation for him to be in to rebuild his value. The team doesn't need him to jump right into the fray. Right. He's clearly their best center, but they're comfortable throwing Jordan Bell, Kevon Looney, and Damian Jones. You don't have to run with a true center either. Draymond fills yeah. that position sometimes. You can run multiple smaller lineups. And the thing that's so funny about the Warriors, it's not that they're just getting better by adding in free agency like Kevin Durant and Boogie Cousins. They're getting so much better through the draft. And it's guys that can play multiple sides of the ball as well. And finding gems like Quinn Cook, you know, Jordan Bell in the draft, who's just a defensive monster, such a presence on the court. These are guys that obviously are on friendly contracts and they can continue to build onto this team without having to really dip into their wallets, without finding ways. It's almost cheat codes, it feels like, around the league. Like we were saying before we started the podcast, Brady, you know, it really pisses some people off. So I agree. This move is definitely going to piss some people off, but 
I think it's good for basketball, actually. I think it's exciting to see this while it's lasting. We may never have a team this good again. I don't think there's ever been a team this good. So I'm going to really love it while I have it now because moving forward, I don't know if there'll be another Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson Bulls because I feel like it was obviously different teams like San Antonio, other other teams that have been so good for a long time. But I'm talking about like when you're looking at one year, like this now is the 2018-2019 Golden State Warriors, and this roster is ridiculous. So I'm stacking this roster up against you know the 90s Bulls. I'm, I'm stacking them up against certain teams, and I can't find one that I think would beat them head-to-head in today's NBA because I can only judge off today's NBA. No, don't even NBA. say today's NBA. This is the largest culmination of talent we've ever seen on one singular team. You can use the rules from right. any era. No, I, I think that they're 100%. more talented – the length, the speed, and the shooting that they have. The coaching, too. I think Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches to ever coach basketball. For sure. Just from a very basic standpoint, you know, disregarding errors, if you were able to objectively rank every player who's ever played in the NBA, this starting five of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Boogie Cousins is going to have the best average number of those rankings of any team, and it's not close i think the net ranking for that starting lineup is going to be out of this world it's going to set yeah, records when, it's going to be one of those you look at this scratching your head like i didn't even know that number was possible and then of course when the bench comes in you come a little bit back to reality but i think there's going to come a time this season when boogie gets to a level with this team with his health that you're going to see like a month span to where you're looking at these numbers and you're blown away that they're breaking their own records by that much. That's my honest opinion. They put up like 156 and you're like, uh, you know, again, <laughs> against a good team too. Right. Not just, not yeah. just a trash team. Like it's the 76ers going up against them and they drop 160. Oh, I love like, it. Oh my God. You know, that's exactly how I think it's going to go. Be fun. So uh, just to move on, I got a question for you. If any team this year is going to beat the Warriors, who do you think it's going to be? This is a, a hard one that I've spent kind of all summer thinking about. So I expect I a great the, answer. The Celtics <laughs> are the trendy pick here just because they're so well-balanced. They probably have the best starting five outside of the Warriors just when you look at above-average talent at every single position. And they're so deep, and Brad Stevens is just an absolute genius. So I think they're the, the trendy pick, but I don't necessarily agree with it just because as great as I think Kyrie is and as great as Gordon Hayward and Al Horford are, I don't think they have that one truly elite upper echelon star talent that we've seen in recent years is really necessary to knock off the best players or the best teams. There's a really strong case for the Raptors just because of the defenders that they have to throw against the Warriors. Okay. There's no one on the planet other than Draymond Green who can guard Kevin Durant the way Kawhi Leonard can. Mm-hmm. And then you have Danny Green and Kyle Lowry in the backcourt. So I think they have a chance. Just on top of the top of the Raptors, it's just the coaching change that makes me feel even less confident because the team yeah. has been good prior. And yes, they added Kawhi instead of DeMar now, so it's a much different roster there. It's just they're bringing in a coach that doesn't have a lot of NBA experience he is considered, I guess, a player's coach, but I think Dwayne Casey is the epitome of a player's coach. He was bringing rosters that weren't anywhere close to the talent that other competitors were and actually taking them to higher levels than I think anyone expected for the Raptors to make for any of these past three to five years. So now with the coaching change, I just see 
a little bit of a regression even with Kawhi there because if they couldn't even win one game against LeBron James in the East, I don't see them beating this Celtics team, which I honestly think this year would have beaten the Cavs team led by LeBron last year if you're adding Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. I don't think it's even a question. And speaking of regression, I think the Rockets are a slightly worse team this year than they were last year. So this kind of segues into a question that I have. If a team is going to beat the Warriors... Is that scenario like Steph Curry goes down? Because something has to happen if no team is talented enough. It's going to have to be an injury or they figure out you know some kind of magical defense to stop them. You know, <laughs> what's the scenario in your mind that has to happen for a team to beat the Warriors this season? First, to go back in the conversation really quickly, I think the best thing for the Warriors about adding Boogie isn't how much better they're going to be, but how much bigger their safety net gets, how much bigger of a margin for error they have. Because we saw this last year when Curry went out with an injury at the start of the playoffs, and everyone thought, well, now the Warriors are vulnerable. And then Iguodala went out in the conference finals, and the Rockets almost won that series. I don't know how much better they'll be with Cousins. It could be that they're not all that much better at their best, because they're already so ridiculously good. But he gives them that extra safety net where now if Curry gets injured or Durant gets injured, you still have two all-star starters who average 25 points a game in your lineup. Who will obviously probably have to take a bigger role in that case too. And you know that if Boogie Cousins is fully healthy and that one of those guys go down... He's going to have no problem dropping triple doubles. He's going to have no exactly. problem putting up those kind of numbers. Like That's, of course, assuming that he comes back to the boogie that we all are used to seeing. Question I have for you, is the roster the best ever assembled? I know I was talking about it, but I didn't hear it from you. So if not, which team in history really beats this team and why? I think they definitely are. I don't think there's much of a debate. I think you could make claims for those 90s Bulls or the 80s Lakers as being better teams just in terms of how everyone plays together and uh, exploitable I, weaknesses i would not make yeah, those case, case it has to be there because if you just look at, at talent especially one through five one through six talent i don't think anyone else is even in the same tier <laughs> let alone better no i agree there's some old head in a barber shop that's going to disagree with you though oh so, for sure <laughs> for sure just want to move on to the next question so unfortunately, uh, the Warriors dynasty will end at some point. When that time comes, who do you think is going to be the first to step away? And do you think it's going to be free agency, trade? What's going to be the first domino to fall? It could go a lot of ways. Nothing would surprise me at this point, especially with how aggressive the ownership is. And if they start to sense that there is a little bit of a crack in the armor, they might do something drastic. In my opinion, the most likely scenario is that Durant leaves in free agency either after this year or after the next year. Draymond has expressed wanting to re-sign. KD might stick around and take the Supermax. Who knows? I'm leaning towards him leaving either after this year or after the next year. Who knows if the Warriors even want to offer him a Supermax? Yeah, I mean... That doesn't leave them very point, flexible. they got to think about how much money they're committing to a bunch of players yeah, over 30. Exactly. exactly. I mean, at some point, you're looking towards the draft, which I think they're doing, and... This is something the Warriors did well. They drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. They really bred this within. So that's why it's so respected in my eyes. And people take the cheap route by saying, oh, yeah, KD came and made this. Oh, yeah, whatever. But 
they were the best team ever assembled, in my opinion, before KD came. And then you can make that argument more with the 90s Bulls, definitely. Then you add KD, and then it's not even a question. Before that, you're forgetting they won a championship before he got there. And if he didn't come, I still think they would have been defending champions the next year. KD adds that cherry on top for them, but regardless, even before KD came and now before Boogie came, this is still the best team, in my opinion, ever assembled. And that's hilarious to really say out loud when you're talking about the fact that they continue to add on top of a team that was, I thought, the best two moves ago. An NBA best 73 games and then replaced Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant. <laughs> the second That's best player in basketball. It, exactly. And Harrison Barnes is, he's not doing that well over there in, uh, in no, Dallas. Not, not compared, so much. <laughs> compared to his life there. The next question for you, how are the Warriors fans compared to the rest of the NBA, especially now that you're in LA and you really feel the atmosphere with LeBron here, you feel our ignorance. Yeah, our with, fan base is kind of crazy. You feel how hyped me and Christian are, just the way that we talk about LeBron. It's like a we're like the Cowboys year old girl with a boyfriend for the first time. Like that's how it feels for us. So me and Christian are excited. But how do Warriors fans compare to the rest of the NBA? You've been a part of some of these championships now. You've seen. I believe you were a Warriors fan before any of this really started going down when they weren't obviously as good. So you know the loyal Warrior fans that didn't just jump on the bandwagon. So how are Warrior fans compared to the rest? Yeah, it's a great question. I've been a fan my whole life. I have a lot of memories of, you know, in high school buying $8 tickets and going and sitting in the nosebleeds back when the team was, you know, winning 22 games a year and whatnot. The fan base has always been spectacular. When they were the laughing stock of the league, both from a talent perspective and from an organizational dysfunction perspective, they were still selling out Oracle Arena every night with fans who were going hoarse, screaming in the fourth quarter of, you know, March games when they're 30 games out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's dedication right there. Because I remember there was a yeah. couple of years for the Lakers where, yeah, Smush Parker was the point guard and some other <laughs> some other players around there that I don't really want to discuss right now. But I was, Moss got I was yeah, I remember a game. I was in the stands. They were down by 25. My uncle was like, you want to get out of here and go home? I was like, nah, let's, let's stay to the end. And we stayed, and there was people going crazy. We... You know, I wanted to continue to eat the food that my uncle was paying for, so that's kind of my excuse. I was young, but at the same time, I remember that's where I can say I think Laker fans are the best. I love asking this question to each one of our guests because I know we've had a Celtics rider the last time and the time before that, Kenny Hawks from Clipperholics who covers the Clippers. So I keep asking this question to each person that covers different teams. You know, How do you compare your fans to the rest? And that's a question I like to hear because they get very passionate about it and what are you going to say? That, that's my honest question. Are you going to say, oh, yeah, our, our fans are okay. You know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. that would say third, fourth, fifth maybe in the league. Like, no, you have to say. We're the best. They're the best. They ride hard. So I know you have to hit me with that political answer, but I really do like to see <laughs> the passion come through from each and every one of you guys, obviously because you're not covering these teams. Just because they're asking you to, you're picking these specific teams because you – Obviously, care so deeply, and Christian and I just can't pick a team. That's why we just cover sports in general. We're just oh, I can pick a team, any LA team. Yeah, we're going Lakers right now. <laughs> we're going to do our podcast. Yeah, that's it. But Lakers, Rams, Dodgers, baby. <laughs> Thank you, of of course, for answering our works questions. We're going to move on to some other NBA news going around the league. Preseason basketball is back. I'm just tweeting some stuff on the NBA page the past hour or two. Two different clips of Carmelo Anthony and Harden going between the legs, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, dribbled 17, 18, 19, 20, 30, 40 times, and then threw the ball 
to his right, like no look, and Carmelo was probably five, six feet behind the three-point mark, and he threw it as if he expected Carmelo to go towards the basket. Uh, so I tweeted, and was like, you know, they got some work to do. And then literally 10 minutes later, I have another clip at my disposal of Chris Paul this time going sideline, goes nutmegs the defender between the legs to Melo, who's camped out on the sideline, pump fake, takes a step to the left, drains that three. I was at first saying, you know, they got a little bit of work to do. Ten minutes later, they said, you know, hold up with that tweet really quick. Check this out. I'm just saying it's exciting to see this back. I'm excited to have preseason reels to tweet out for you guys, even though I know it's not regular season. It's basketball, and it gets my blood pumping, and I know we're all excited for it to be back. Christian, just give me your reaction of seeing LeBron James play his first NBA game as a Los Angeles Laker. I just want to hear it from you. It feels surreal. It's like waking up in a dream. I know, what, let's say six months ago. In the back of my mind, I, I honestly didn't think LeBron was going to come to LA. It was just something that I wanted to speak into existence, and I wanted to know why people on Twitter, you know, LA to LeBron confirmed. I'd tweet that all the time if anything <laughs> That was really happened. to piss people off. Like, we'd, exactly. always, we'd always do that. Because we're think. ignorant. We're like the Cowboys fans of the NBA. And I'm know, a right? Cowboys fan, too, so I'm double ignorant. <laughs> just to see him play, this is it. You know, like, we... He's in it. He can't go back. He's an L.A. Laker now for the next 3.9 yeah, years. Yeah, he's stuck with us. That's what he's saying. Right? I saw it. And first off, these jerseys are awesome. Amazing. They are showtime. They are so beautiful. I, I hate the logos on the jerseys still. Mm. I can't get over it, but it's something that I'm going to have to live with. It's business, and I can see past my fandom. So I can see why the NBA is doing it. And yes, it's smart. So continue to do it. But the wish, the little white wish, it's not that bad. And it's pretty low-key. So I'd rather have that than the Bucks with their god-awful Harley-Davidson logo on their green jerseys. So that's where you really got to be careful with where you pick your jersey sponsors, if you have one. Because there's some teams, of course, that are lucky enough to not have to rock with the sponsors yet. They haven't went down that route. But still, these jerseys, the Showtime jerseys, they are beautiful. This is their version of last year of the city jerseys when they had the Kobe Bryant snakeskin blacks. They still are rumored to still debut those once or twice throughout the year and possibly even those old school blue ones with the cursive Los Angeles ones. That's what I was hearing as well. I'm excited because I'm a jersey buff even though my jersey collection is weak right now so I got to jump on that. I'm looking for a cheap website, so if anyone's got anyone, any of our listeners that have a prime website with really quality jerseys, yeah, nothing, nothing that letters can be falling off. Yeah, stuff. to where it doesn't take <laughs> to where it doesn't take two years for it to get to here either, where it's just getting sent by pigeon from Japan. I need it to get here at least like in two weeks or three. I can't wait that long. I'm a little girl when it comes to waiting on that stuff. So if any of our listeners have any jersey sites referrals. that they use referrals, please. Hit our DM, hit my personal DM, and let me know because I want to get my jersey game up. Next question I want to ask you really quick, Brady. Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins with the beef. I also want to ask you where you think that Butler is going to end up after this whole fiasco. So let's start with Jimmy Butler and Wiggins and how that all went down. What do you take from that? It's weird. I mean, the biggest takeaway, I think, is just that Minnesota is a highly dysfunctional organization. It's a hot mess. The fact that they let it get to this point, I I feel like a lot of people are criticizing Butler for coming in with, with a trade demand kind of at the 11th hour here. But if you're the team and you've been witnessing these players butting heads, this player who's going to be up for a maximum extension and these other two players who are clearly part of your long-term plans and you've been witnessing them butting heads and you know that it's not going to work out and you know that they don't want to spend their careers together you have to have figured out a game plan before training camp starts yeah it can't fall on him 
No, I agree. a trade and having him be the bad guy. What I'm worried for Minnesota, and I'm going to get more into this in our next episode because we do have a guest coming on that covers a blog about the Timberwolves. So they're going to join me and really dive into this Jimmy Butler situation. And I really think by next week or in a week and a half when we do this, a little bit more is going to be developed by that point. So I'm excited to record that episode then. But for now, I agree with you. They hate each other. That's just pretty straight up. Carl Anthony Towns just signed a massive extension. It's apparently his team, and they just made that clear. And if Tom Thibodeau is going to be the coach there or not, if they're going to make this the Timber Bulls, which we said in the last episode, which is hilarious because they continue to just try and revamp this, you know, 2014 Bulls team, whatever the year it was for Derrick Rose, Todd Gibson, Joaquin Noah, who's probably destined to start for the Timber Bulls at some point. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah, oh, he's it's, coming. We'll, start, we'll get into that a little bit later. But obviously, Carl Anthony Towns got that massive extension, so it's his team. And you are saying, you know, obviously with Wiggins, people hate on him because obviously he's not putting up the same production that you would hope for. But when you look at his numbers, they're not awful. And he's still productive. And yeah, he's, he's lazy on defense. <laughs> and at times, he has bursts of greatness, and then it goes away. That's just reality. When you look at the numbers, they're not as bad as people really make it out to seem. He's not a bust. I'll tell you that. But he doesn't live up to the hype that an Andrew Wiggins should. But regardless, it's the immaturity. And I'm going to put some of this on Jimmy Butler, too. Because what I've heard, and what I'm pretty sure is true, is that Butler smashed Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend. And this, and this is me going full TMZ on NBA Unwrapped right now. I've had multiple sources and seen multiple tweets, and I will pull some up after this and show you, Christian, so you can see for yourself. I but, believe you. But this is something that has been proven by the media. So I'm not going to say this I'm is like, true. He was hitting on Dwayne Wade's wife, too. That's what I'm saying. He has he a was, history of this. He was in the comments of Dwayne Wade's wife, Gabriel Union, saying, well, damn, in all caps, and Wade, who is a friend of Jimmy Butler and an active recruiter, bring him to Miami now. So clearly they squashed it. He pretty much said, you know, back off. You know, back off my wife. Don't ever try that shit again. I thought it was a joke, but he, they were serious. No, nah, they were dead ass. They're- so that's where I think this is Jimmy Butler as well. And I don't want to say that he's poison. I don't want to say that he brings anything bad to the team. But I am going to say that he definitely had a part in this fallout beyond just the fact that Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins are children. Like people just claim that they are and Jimmy Butler's just this star that's in this awful situation. But Jimmy Butler's looking past that. And that's going to lead me to my second part of this question of where do you think Jimmy Butler ends up? Because it's inevitable that he's going to get traded. The when is an unknown. And hopefully by the next podcast when I have that guest on, we will be able to have a little bit more clarity, and by that time, things will have happened a little bit further. Just off your gut feeling, where do you think Jimmy Butler plays basketball this year? I think Miami. Okay, cool. I totally I agree. Just, I just think it makes the most sense, regardless of how this plays out, because they have so many pieces that they can offer up that are just at kind of varying levels of decent to good and then Kevin O'Connor reported that Thibodeau wanted Ben Simmons when he talked with the Sixers so it you know seems apparent right now that he just has completely irrational demands that aren't going to happen at some point he's going to have to come down from that and whatever he does whatever the market ends up being for Butler Miami has the pieces to make it happen whether they want to give up some really good pieces like Richardson and Winslow or they just want to throw in some salary like Whiteside, or they want to give up some kind of win-now, not long-term assets like Dragic, or whatever. They have 
so many different ways that they could make a deal work. And on top of that, they're just this team that's kind of treading water of being a good back-of-the-playoff team right. where none of their players should be untouchable because they don't have the foundation of a great team. So no one should be off-limits, but they're also good enough that it's worth taking a risk on a player like Butler because if they can get Butler and you add that to a team that was the sixth seed last year, they could make some noise. And you realize so, the, the conference that they play in, you know, their life isn't, isn't too tough. If they can yeah. build on the roster that they have, I agree with you. That is the best spot for him. It makes sense for him. It makes sense for the Timberwolves. It makes sense for just facilitating a deal, whatever that ends up I've, I've heard like. Clippers and Knicks, too. So I'm going to throw those out there if they make any sense at all. I think the Knicks would probably be his lead favorite. But in the back of his mind, if Jimmy Butler wants to win a championship, Miami's not going to be the last team that he plays for. I don't see Miami winning a championship, honestly, in the next decade. Okay. I mean, that's fair. And the thing is, though, going back to just making this trade happen... Having Pat Riley there, I think he is so shifty and he's so smart. He was such a part of that super team and bringing LeBron there. And, you know, Wade coming back, you realize he did leave to go do his tangent at home and then to go join LeBron on the Cavs. He still ended up back in Miami. So, yeah, Pat Riley didn't have to move mountains to bring Dwayne Wade back. But he's always right there in the front of the move that needs to be made for the team, for the fan base, and for the NBA. And, of course, Jimmy Butler wanting to come to Miami, it makes sense because, you know, you want to go to that life. Yes, him and Wade are friends regardless of what Christian and I were saying with the comments for Gabrielle Union. What I've heard past that, this was we that was weeks ago, maybe even a month ago. They're friends. Obviously, Dwayne Wade is part of this recruitment process for Jimmy Butler now. That's been squashed, my personal opinion. I think he's going to end up on the Heat this year pretty soon. And I think you're right. The Timberwolves are going to have to really lower their asking price or figure something out because, I mean, they're in an awful situation because you see what they gave up. They gave up Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and they gave up Laurie Marketing, who are all guys that are contributing on a team. They're all starting for the Bulls this year, and we're all excited for that team with Jabari Parker and with other pieces there. They gave up so much. Are they even going to be able to get half of that back? Probably I don't not. think so. That's my personal opinion that they— Laurie Marketing's a young young, young star. star. And you're looking at Zach Levine, who's finally starting to look healthy as well. He to looks, even have him in the dunk contest makes your looks, team more relevant than to have... Zach Levine looks good. I'm telling yeah. you, this year's going to be his best year as a professional so far. And if Chris Dunn can stay somewhat healthy, this roster for the Bulls is going to surprise some people. They're not going to make major waves this year, but you realize the conference that they play in, they can be a sneaky team and surprise some people and get people excited for the future. And that's because Minnesota just alley-ooped them, the future. And now they're sitting here trying to tread water you know backtracking now trying to figure out a way out of this and i think it's just too late he's fed up with how they're going about this he's fed up with i think just the two players that we're talking about wiggins carl anthony towns and you know minnesota is probably not that fun so he also tried to get away from the bulls and the bulls came to him what he what he ran, oh. what he ran away from oh. ended up coming to no think about it though Every, the team that he tried to get away from most of that team now is on his own team. I mean Tom Thibodeau is a part of bringing him there and now a part of trying to reconstruct this team. So we're not going to keep going into the Timber Bulls because our frustration is clear and there's <laughs> there's nothing we Jimmy's can do about are it. too obviously there's nothing we could do about it. But let's move on to a weird ending to this podcast, but it's something I did want to bring up since this was something that lingered from last year, and now there's something else that's popped up with the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban. Not that it's Mark Cuban exactly, but his team. 
They were found to have serious workplace misconduct by former and current employees and improper and ineffective management. There's multiple things of sexual harassment, other things that have gone by in the past, this past season. So I just wanted to throw that out there. One, to just report it for our listeners, but to see if you guys had any opinions or if you've heard anything personally on how this is moving forward. Because Mark Cuban's a smart guy, and they are going to handle this through the PR team, and this is a professional team. They're going to fire every single, they said former and current employee. So every current employee will be a former employee within, probably now, by the time we're recording this podcast, they're probably all fired. How does the Mavericks salvage their title, I guess, their reputation? So to fix your image, you do what you just said. You fire every person that was involved. You clean house. You get a new culture in. You have to start from the ground floor. Any place that has this stuff that goes on needs a massive jolt to not only the people who run it, but the culture that's been established. It draws concerns as someone who would potentially consume their product. It makes me not want to tune into their games. It makes me not right. want to support. If I was going to get a Dennis Smith Jr. jersey now, I'm definitely not going to. I feel that. So, I, But I believe Mark Cuban is a smart enough man to to turn this around, he's in tune with how the times are. And if any time sexual misconduct in the workplace is not a thing to happen, it's going to be in 2018. This is a time that right. there's that's, a spotlight on this that's thing. That's really why this is such a big deal. It's because the fact that these are coming up nowadays is why it's this awful. Because if this was 10, 15 years ago... They probably would have swept it under the rug. And this that's very sad out. to say. But Of course. But in 2018, you got to be extra careful, which is why I know the PR team is going to work so hard to change this around so quickly. I just wanted to hear your opinion. And I want to hear yours as well, Brady, on this. I know it's not the most comfortable topic to be talking about, but it is NBA news. And it's important. It's right. very important. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out i'm with you guys that they're going to clean house that they need to clean house i think the interesting thing for me will be to see how mark cuban acts going forward because while he is smart and good with pr and he's going to make the right decisions from a damage control standpoint definitely my question is what is he going to do outside of the realm of optics and what looks good for his business because he can fire everyone that he wants he can fire everyone in the organization but the fact still remains this was going on with him at as the, the owner right there's, and there's nothing you can do about that except like and you just said damage control he needs yeah. to install a new culture he needs to let them know that that shit is not going to fly going forward and, and he's a powerful exactly. dude so you know he exactly. can do that and that's why out of anybody i think mark cuban with his personality with the power that he has with his personal image I think of all people, he could turn this around. He can spin this and really change the culture like you keep saying, Christian. I think the Mavericks are going to figure this out, but this isn't the first time we've talked about this on NBA Unwrapped. This was something we talked about last season as well towards the end. Definitely a red flag, but the Mavericks as a team are looking definitely better with Luka Doncic there, even though we were just talking about jersey sales with DSJ. I don't think anyone's buying a Doncic jersey with that hideous... Like seventy seven. Do not on the talk about seventy seven. You know that was my college I'm, number. I'm sitting here with an offensive lineman here. That looks <laughs> that looks good on a hog out here. But we're talking a point guard from Europe who's put on an average jersey with big. young seventy seven yeah, on the he back. Does not look right. He's a big guy. Know, I'm just not buying. I'm not. I don't see the sixteen year old kids like I want that seventy seven jersey. Oh look at seventy seven go. I just <laughs> it's just give right. me a time machine so I can go back. It's and like buy. number one, number two, three. The single digits. That's like no, always been. The he's slip. a trendsetter. Cool. I just had. I, I just had to throw that at Christian real quick. He looks good in preseason, though. He definitely looked a lot more fluid than I thought he was going to. No, I agree. And the Mavericks, the team itself, are 
a decent mix of young and veteran presence there, and I think they're going to be a team that does better than people expect. They're not sniffing the playoffs, but this is a team that's going to take strides, and these are moves that they've made for the future. Getting Luka Doncic, getting Dennis Smith Jr., these are the centerpieces moving forward. For that's a backcourt that can compete against anybody in the NBA moving forward. Not right now, obviously, but for the future. So you continue to put pieces around that, and you spin this culture back to how it should be. I think it's going to be okay for Mark Cuban, yeah, who they I'm play, a fan They of. play an amazing city, and they have a really good owner, and your greatness gets tested from time to time, and as an owner, this is going to be one of Mark Cuban's greatest challenges he's had to face as an owner. That's all we have for you guys today. Brady, thank you so much for joining us and talking Warriors and the rest of our topics that we had to talk about on NBN Wrapped. It was such a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me, guys. That was a blast. Of course. We'll sign him off really quick. He writes for the Warriors at SB Nation. He also covers the LA Sparks at The Athletic as a contributor there. Such an awesome guest to have. Christian, thank you so much for being with me. As always, talking NBA since the season's back. We're excited. We're in L.A. LeBron's the king. He's a god. I don't have a religion, but I do now. So that's that's it. It's a beautiful time to be an L.A. sports fan. Dodgers in the playoffs. Lakers about to win a championship. And Rams It's a beautiful time in sports. It's Even though I'm not the biggest hockey fan, hockey's starting. Baseball is going to playoffs right now. You got basketball, you got football, you got everything in full College swing. Football. Golf has tournaments going on right Tiger now. Tiger just won yeah, something. Tiger just won something. College football is going hard. Go check out our college football podcast as well, CFB Unwrapped. Awesome times for sports and, of course, basketball, where my heart is and I know ours are as well. So, Brady, thank you so much for joining us. Go follow him on Twitter at Brady Klopfer NBA. Follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. Follow Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Follow our page on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you guys next time.